0: This is the band school podcast where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, buddy Rathmel. All right. I'm here with Roger and Vince Alves. Roger founded Skosh 41 years ago, along with his wife. They started off as uh, um, consultants for audio sound and, um, grew a business out of their garage. Typical story of, uh, the garage entrepreneur now have um, 230 employees, um, employing people multinational around the world, and uh, now it's a three-generation company. And uh, I'm just going to read quickly from their website. Scosche was born from and runs our passion for cool vehicles, amazing sounds, the great outdoors, travel, motorsports, horsepower, and voltage. We're a company of gearheads, drivers surfers, racers, riders, tech buffs, tech users, innovators, and relentless pursuers of perfection. We never get stuck in the past or in the mud. So, Roger and Vince, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Roger, tell us a little bit about how you uh, started Skosh.
1: Well, I had been involved uh, with the company prior to Skosh in in creating parts to install car stereos, but unfortunately I had some less scrupulous partners. So we decided rather than fight them in court, we would go on and make a new company oh, with cool. the encouragement of some friends. Uh, uh, February 22nd, 1980, we opened our doors, announced that we were in business and uh, began Scotch Industries. So, cool uh we had i had a a good following of accounts and customers that would would um, pursue what we could offer them in consulting and you remember at the in 1980 there was not known uh car audio was not known like it is today the manufacturers in japan did not know one thing about whether their products would fit in a car that was manufactured 1979 i would get a I would get a sample product in my hand and they'd say, go out and see if this fits the American cars. (laughs) So with that, I knew that there was a demand there. We created a database, started measuring all the cars, wrote an encyclopedia of AutoSound. And at the same time, we were fortunate enough that the whole GM changed all their vehicles and they made it a Larger size stereo that was very consistent from one car to the other So we patented a product that would fit 24 different vehicles. Nice And that was our Initial go-to-market product.
2: Yeah, so he would he would sell this book that had been known as the installers bible Yeah, coincidentally and every year, make a model, these professional installers would refer to this book on how to disassemble what size speakers and, and how this kit will fit this brand new radio into an American vehicle. So and this was back in the day when the first thing you did was put a new stereo in when you got a car. You know, that's that's the first thing these kids would do. So it was a huge I mean, it was a huge problem solver for the market. And
0: were you the only seller of the of the pieces that would fit or did you since you had the patent it did people one, license it? it was one
1: other company that was making individual plates of steel in new in brooklyn new york and they had been started like in the motorola days that right. was our competitor but up until then with our product which was so unique is that it was injection molded and had multiple tabs uh, for installing multiple vehicles
0: and cool. so we made
1: a series of those. Those later became uh, kits for install a do it yourselfer, which went into Radio Shack, which went into Kraco, which then born became the Walmart set. We went into Walmart in 1994. And we're still in Walmart to this day. Cool.
0: Well, back up a little bit. I, I heard uh, Vince tell me the story of how you came up with the name. But tell our oh, listeners yeah. the story of how you came up with the name.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I were in, in Santa Barbara, getting ready to start this company. We went up for the weekend, which is about a vacation for us at the time. And, uh, and we're thinking of names. So my wife's name is Scotia. I call her Scotch. And that sounded a lot better to me than (laughs) Alvco. I agree. I just couldn't get the spelling on the back end of that. So we're coming home down the coast and there's a Porsche 928 in front of us. And I said, that's it. S-C-O-S-C-H-E. There you go.
0: That's cool. You got got the premium uh, wife and the premium vehicle and you made your premium company name out of it. That's Thanks. it, yeah. great, well said, well said. So um, we talked before we got on the air about some of the challenges that you faced, but what are, what are some of the challenges you faced in the early years of growing the company?
1: Well, there are always challenges, and I wanted to really stress with your, your audience out there is that you know you speak about life balance. The life balance that I that we had for many, many years was being able to see the kids play soccer. Yeah. But some of the real struggles we had with the company starting up is making payroll. Yeah. I can, make, I, I can remember a time when we had to get a float from the bank to make the payroll. My wife was always stressing payroll. We would go away for a weekend and she 'd be doing the books and I'd be trying to find something to do down at the beach. Uh, one of the other things was how do you tool how do you raise money for tooling yeah to make those injection molds well, as it happened, uh, I had an association with a man named Klaus Klaus had an injection molding company, and we protected him from the last group of partners I had who were not gonna honor their debt to him. So I was able to see that in a chapter, settlement of the creditors that he received all his monies due. So mm-hmm. he, we became uh, very good friends and he offered to put up tooling for us and amortize the tooling rather than ask for uh, payment. So up until recent years, we would tool a kit or a part and then we would pay 35 cents amortization until that tooling was paid off yeah and that was a, a part of uh the struggle starting is how do you get maximized resources to produce maximum product
2: yeah. so you
1: want to leverage yourself as much as you can to grow fast
0: yeah
2: but i love i love the part about you taking care of him and then he he became the bank for you when you had no one to go to. Exactly. And that, that business partnership lasted decades.
1: This building we're in, he initiated the build, he financed the thing and we bought and we took a third of it because he was such a generous man for virtually nothing down. Wow, And that's that's years later. That was 1997. So you yeah. went from 80 to 97 Another big struggle in the early days was we could not get financing So we researched 18 to 20 banks wow. And all said no but one and We were able to get an SBA loan now the CFO I had at the time her and her husband happen to be investors in this bank, I guess. And as it turns out that we ended up with that bank, a local bank in town, they put together an SBA for us. And to this day, she won't take credit for having anything to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, in recent years, you can't speak of tough times without speaking of the corona yeah so there's always something
0: well and, and talk with us for a, a minute about um i know you guys do some manufacturing overseas and then the trump tariffs hit talk with me of how i i had a couple of friends who had businesses that were just slaughtered by the trump tariffs um yeah. how did you how did you guys get through that even before corona
1: well about In 18, the tariffs came July of 18. I frankly didn't believe that it was gonna happen without some kind of notice, without some kind of- Heads up. Heads up, so we could possibly work our way around it. But they hit in July. We happened to be in the middle of a sale of the company at that time and it killed it.
0: Wow, so you guys were, you were looking to exit in 18. Yep. And were, were you going to stay on for a while Vince to yeah, for, the, yeah. for the transition? And then a yeah. couple
2: of years, yeah, I mean, we didn't want the company legacy to just, we weren't going to just flip and get out and go to Hawaii yeah. where my brother and I were going to stay on, run the company and, you know, and, yeah. uh, obviously let him, let him go to Hawaii, but he'd still be involved. Don't yeah. kill yourself. Yeah. He's yeah. he doesn't know anything else um is, this is who he is so he still yeah. loves getting in here and stirring the pot so yeah. but yeah the tariffs the tariffs came fast and furious and it blew up that deal and we rolled up our sleeves we all got on planes and we took our best people and we went and just turned over stones and in vietnam and philippines we looked back here in the u.s um, and to our team's credit, I think we mobilized faster than any one of our competitors. We had solid plans and partnerships in place. And within, within a few months, we are projected to have over half our business built in Vietnam, Philippines um, wow. in a very short period of time. Yeah. And then this, you know, this little virus called COVID hits and kind of halted that plan, but you know, it's a tenacious business and i think one of the things you're teaching um your group is you know he speaks of going to a soccer game as his vacation or his free time and that's i mean it's you gotta you gotta have grit and whether it's um finding 18 banks for one of them to say the yes to you or dealing with a tariff situation that gave you no warning and no time to prepare yeah. or a worldwide epidemic and how you're going to figure out how to make money direct to consumer online because target closed their doors for 3 months.
0: Yeah.
2: It it doesn't matter how you fill in the blank. It's there's always going to be something there and you got to have passion and you got to be able to attack it and strategize and surround yourself with good people to go get it done and you know so far we're still having fun.
1: Yeah, Vince made a point of surround yourself with good people. Yeah. That's like rule number one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if I answered your question, but that was yeah, fun. no, that's great. So <laughs> what are the what are your what are your guys' day to day roles right now? What are, what do the two of you do? Uh, Official roles or what do you yeah. really
2: do? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's CEO. My brother and I are co-presidents. Okay. But. Um, you know, we really wear a lot of hats, Cass, my brother oversees, uh, marketing, but he's still extremely involved with sales. I oversee the sales team, but still very involved with marketing.
0: Yeah.
2: He, uh, Roger oversees the car stereo division, of course, everybody, but he still is very involved with the original book of business, which is car audio. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and loves stirring the pot with our engineers and the development team. Uh, but you know one of the benefits of having this three-headed monster is that we really cross-pollinate and complement each other and uh so far it's been it, it's been effective
0: yeah it's
1: been great what's yeah, it like so we have
0: what's it like Roger, sorry, working
1: yeah. with two of your boys it's 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 you asked the question here what have been some of the high points in running your own business yeah having to see them and work with them every day. Mm. I can't tell you how, how fantastic that is.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: There's truth to that. Like I, you know, I think about that and why do we grind and why do we work so hard and what, you know, what's it all for? And you do, you, you want to pass that legacy on. I don't know if, you know, for me specifically, I want skosh for my kid's future, but I want like something that we have is, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't hear a lot of those stories very often and,
1: yeah. uh, it is, it's special.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. And
1: these two guys, they started at the bottom They worked in the warehouse, they made kits, they assembled
2: bagged hardware on our little stamper in the warehouse
1: since, you know,
2: child labor. That's our, <laughs> that's our only form of child labor we've ever had here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Just say that.
1: Yeah, no. and, and as we grow, you know, this this company has really I mean challenged us and, and we have to to raise ourselves up and learn and, and read books and get counsel and consultants and figure out how to make it work because it's moving fast. Yeah. Well,
2: and the in the look of the industry, I mean when was the last time you knew someone that installed a car stereo? when they got a vehicle. I mean, those are you know, how do we reinvent ourselves and that's just you, it's it's tenacious, you know? Yeah.
0: And so Vince, I know you were you were actually the first one to create that magnetic mount, right? Like you you're you're the worldwide uh, first on that. So I love yeah. Is that um is that a big part of what you do is create new products or how does that come about?
2: yeah so we have a product development team but product ideas a lot of times will come from us where we just we're tenaciously looking at competition my brother's an avid surfer we all ride dirt bikes and mountain bikes um we're in california guys so we're we're outside but our our heart and our core is car yeah. so whether you're a truck guy or a car guy we're we're always looking at what is the new phone like uh, what's the new GoPro like? How do we use it? What's missing in the market or how uh, how can we have a better customer experience, whatever your lifestyle is, with an accessory that can come from Sscosh? So we're just we're just wired to just think like what could be better about this situation? or uh, why did Apple remove the headphone jack? and what can we make that will solve that problem for someone who didn't like that move? Yeah. You know, and and uh, for us, it, you know, we did mounts for back when GPS was hot. There was a five hundred dollar Garmin GPS yeah. unit, and so we made these uh, window mounts and vent mounts that had you know grips on them and would hold your five hundred dollar GPS unit. But it it was it was never something that my wife would put in her car. It was clunky. It was big, and they bounced, and they took, they blocked your view. And you know, we sold. Hundreds of thousands of them for many years, but it just was something that was like it needed to be fixed. There needed to be something that was sleeker and better, and I'm and we were just always searching in the market, listening to outside perspectives on how we can be different. And that was just something you know, Apple just came out with magnetic uh, keyboard or uh, iPad covers, yeah, and and it was really cool and it was just seamless and just gave you that click feel and. It felt very high-end and it was just bothering me that we couldn't apply that to something that we made, you know, and so it challenged our team. And then one day it it clicked and we just went full, we put all our resources. That was at the same time we decided to get out of the case business because we were were making some of the coolest iPhone cases and we'd go to ship them at retail and nobody bought them from us. And we spent all this development cost and tooling (laughs) And we'd have, you know, advanced information, but we didn't really know 100% about the the form factors from Apple. So we would we would risk build, and we'd bring in 10,000 units to make sure we had cases the day Apple announced their new device. And still, people just didn't buy our cases. And we have this whole team spending all this resource and energy developing these really cool cases that didn't – it was less than 1% of our business. So – once we came up with the Magic Mount family, we took that entire team and dedicated them to doing something that we're better at with yeah. a huge ROI upside. Yeah. And it, it really completely changed uh, the company. Cool. Yeah. And it's so, been, you know, it, I love hearing stories, you know, pulling up to a stoplight and you look over and my son says, hey dad, that's a scotch mount on the dash there, you know? and. It's pretty cool yeah. going, going from someone that we couldn't we couldn't beg people to buy our cases from us. But now, you know, you drive down the street and you, you hear personal stories of of how much they love that just seamless
0: click of your phone snap into your window or your dash, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I told those you I, I emailed you that my brother in law who works for the Virginia State Police, he has he has one in his big old, you know, state police truck. And I love it. Yeah. I love those stories. I always it's tell people. Large, yeah, I, I know the guy that invented that company. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. What'd you say, Roger? I say it's the largest segment of our company. Cool. The mounts. Yeah. And now we're making wireless charging. Also, like Vince observed his wife using the mounts. I observed my wife using wireless charging with the Mophie case. Yeah. And I wow. knew that Good at theory. that time we should really develop devote more of our resources to wireless charging and i was totally behind it as soon as i saw how much my wife liked it so do you
0: is that one for the office is that charging there the one that you just stuck up
1: no this one's not charging but we have them that charge this one over here is can you see over here no no i
0: I can't but so that's cool like i'm gonna buy one of those like i need one (laughs) I, we
1: have a net charge just like that.
0: Yeah, that's what I need right next to my, so I didn't even know that item existed yet in the world. There you go. So,
1: so this is an iPhone 12 and we have the uh, mag four charge coming. That is the fastest charge to charge uh, iPhone 12.
0: Cool. We'll, make, up, we'll make sure, we'll make sure and tar- take care of you, buddy. So you let me know
1: what phone you have. Don't yeah. worry.
0: Yeah, I'll link, I'll put a link in the, um, the show notes to that product since we, uh, talked about it.
1: Um, Excellent. Can I, can I go back a little bit and talk about product development on that level? Yeah. One of the, one of the things that, you know, you kind of have a target when you have a company, you have an idea. And a lot of those ideas are outliers that are kind of fantasies or what if this, but if you have, I don't, if you aim at the target and not at the bullseye, I think you have more success. Hmm. It's, like, it's like using bullets instead of cannonballs. Yeah. You kind of you can grow yourself into it. Yeah. So when Apple introduced the iPod, the iPod, not the iPhone, in 2007, we had some experience with Bluetooth in FM transmitters and we knew that if we made a cradle in a transmitter, we could send it to a receiver in the car. Yeah. So then we we made a kit, we put a cradle around the iPod and we started transmitting with a receiver in the car that plugged into your stereo iPhone. Wirelessly streaming audio. So to keep, your car. Keep in mind this was when
2: Bluetooth was something that you put in your ear for a hands-free call. Nobody yeah. was streaming music at that time. So that was that was bleeding edge technology. We got yeah. it into Best Buy at $199 and it was a complete failure.
1: Another one.
2: But We got on Apple's radar and they said we like what you guys are doing and we had a couple industry first after that and it really kind of gave us credibility in that industry that we just kind of built off of so yeah,
0: that's that's a good reference. And you guys are you're in the Apple store now right with a lot of your products. Correct. Yeah, we have a, a wireless charging mount that automatically
2: grips your phone when it starts charging, which is really cool. Apple seems to do well with that. And then a whole modular charging station, you can wirelessly charge, you can put your iPads, it has a multi-device holder and an Apple Watch, and you can expand off it. So if you want three wireless charging bases and a vertical station, you can kind of customize your own home station. I don't know if you have kids, but when you get home, there's devices everywhere. You're using them to control your lights and your television. But where does all this stuff go and they're never charged when you need them so yeah. we invented this we invented this modular base link system where you can you can basically take this piece off and snap on all these different variations depending on what devices you have in your household nice. so apple really like that you know work from home home you know school from home it's it's you know it's really kind of a new world yeah and the one thing all these devices need is is power because they all do so much now, as you know. Right. So.
0: Yeah. That's really that's cool. A, yeah, it's been a fun project. Yeah. So what are what are some of the things that are, have been your highlights, Vince, in working with your dad or working with the company? What, what have you enjoyed on that front? Oh man, uh, just having the freedom.
2: Uh, I, I think when people ask me what's your one recommendation as an entrepreneur, what would you tell somebody? And it's the freedom to fail.
0: Yeah. And
2: the, the one piece of advice he instilled in me was failure way to success. Yeah. But he he didn't just tell me that as a kid. We we actually backed one of my projects. I got really excited when Apple first started launching app accessories. This was. This was before, you know, people were just starting to learn what an app was, but there was no hardware that worked with software at the time. This was all brand new, and Apple said, this is the future. We're going to make all the retailers dedicate space to having uh, a piece of hardware, like a drone, work with an app that's on your phone, And, and our minds were blown. We said, we need to be in this, and... We started looking at, you know, uh, there was a radiation leak in Japan, and we're like, well, we can do a sensor that comes with an app and let's go do that. Huh? And, and hundreds of thousands of dollars, we, we got excited and invested in this. And that was a project that I really was passionate about, was leading, and it was it was a total failure and a <laughs> waste of a lot of resources. Oh no, are you getting it? So this is, uh,
1: I had a great, uh, I had uh, a sample. So
2: nice. We called it. We called it the RDTX radiation detection for iPod and iPhone.
1: Yeah.
2: Really nice packaging. Never want to see that again. They had a
1: great <laughs> app that located where the radiation
2: points were. Yeah. It's a beautiful part. That so that was a lesson, and we're really good at the hardware, but well, yeah. we were we really didn't know what we were doing on the software side, and it. It was a very good education, but it, it was, it our resources could have been better spent in working on areas that we're really good at. Yeah. And that was an expensive lesson for me. So, um, but the freedom to fail, dust off your boots, get back out there, and then you know a year later come out with the magic mount. Yeah. Is you know I never would have invented the magic mount if I was stewing over that failure. Right. Or if I didn't have the freedom to fail with that radiation accessory.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so just uh, just the process of being able to create something and have it fail and then get back out there and, and start again and then have it be successful
0: yeah.
2: and then change the product throughout the development process and then go sell it to our customers and then pull up to a stoplight and have my son tell me that that's, yeah. our, that's our mount on somebody's car next to us. You know, it's... <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's uh, a long answer, a short question, but that's, that's what I really enjoy is that's just seeing cool. that come to the market or hearing a story from you that your brother-in-law was bragging about this mount, you know, and it's like, that's cool. I, yeah. I love hearing those stories.
0: Yeah. So Roger, would you say that the, um, radiation detector, was that more of a cannonball kind of thing or like, even though you gave him the freedom? Say,
1: yeah, that was one shot cannonball rather than yeah. baby steps yeah but it was it was a time slice sometimes you have to come to market it was a big risk right but you know if you have enough gunpowder you can do it yeah you know if you if you have the reserve and and you manage and and you have a good balance sheet you can invest in those kind of things yeah and, and some, so we yeah. have done that recently When we're in health and fitness now, we have a heart rate detector. That's uh, the most accurate heart rate detector. So you you don't need to wear a chest strap anymore. And we've invested in dash cameras. We have a little dash camera division going on. But you really have to diversify or you die.
2: Yeah. But what we learned on the heart rate monitor is we made the hardware work with every fitness app that's already on the market that you already know and love. So if you're a runner, you use RunKeeper. If you're a bike rider, you use Strava. And we didn't pretend that we were an app developer. We just know that we make hardware really good.
0: Yeah. So
2: the lesson, the lessons we learned from previous... Like RDX. App, the lessons we learned from that failure was yeah. let's just do what we're good at and make sure it works with everything else that's out there. And it's, it's our number one seller online to this day, even though it's technically... Off-brand for Skosh because it's not in the car, but it's in the health and fitness space. But it's been a huge success, Uh, you know. So it's part
1: of our Bluetooth success. We
2: kind of innovate our way into different categories, but still try to be core to the
0: brand. And that one seemed to work for whatever reason. So, so who gets to drive the uh, BMW around, and who drives the Jeep?
1: (laughs) 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 Well, we do like cars. I got to tell
2: you. You know, nowadays they're, they're always touring somewhere or, uh, we have a lot of really fun ambassadors that it, it looks like we're having a lot more fun uh, than we actually are. That's actually other people having fun yeah, <laughs> exactly. posting on behalf of our social media, which we really appreciate. Cause yeah. if I posted something, I'd get like 10 hits, but when these guys do it, you know, yeah. it, the ROI is definitely there, but, um, after a couple years of showing, we get to play around with the vehicles a little bit, which is always fun.
1: Yeah, cool. And I drive around a '59 Apache. Yeah, oh, wow. nobody touches that with him.
0: Yeah, nice. That's fun. Well, um, what do you guys see as the future? Whether you know, are you are you going to look to to sell after you like negotiate the next year or two again?
2: Or, you know, that's a good question. There's You know there's companies that come to us every year three four a year yeah and we always learn something when we entertain those conversations but you know right now we're just um dealing with our bottom line and making sure we're capturing market share and so far it's been working so we kind of got distracted through that process and it wasn't really fun yeah so i think right now we're we're just, you know, enjoying creating jobs for the people that work for us and we are paying for our lifestyles and, you know, we're reinvesting our profits back into next year. And so yeah. right now we're not really entertaining that you know, yeah. still licking our wounds a little bit, maybe I'd say.
0: But. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been a, a crazy couple of years for for everyone, I think. So for sure what are some of the dreams Roger as you look to the, to the future? What do you, what do you want to invest your life in, in, in the next 10 or 15 years?
1: Well, I'm, I'm not going to, um, to not invest my life here as an overseer. So I, I do spend a good amount of time, three days a week in the office. I think, are you referring to, um, other than that, obviously? Yeah. Um, devoting my time to the family as we do with the grandchildren and and maybe arranging a few more family vacations if we can pry ourselves out of here. Yeah, um, yeah. so.
0: Yeah, that's great to be able to have the freedom. Where the Lord takes us. Yeah, to invest in that. How, how would you guys say your faith has impacted you in, in leading a business over the years?
1: Mm. Oh, that's great let me take that one you you can go ahead and then i'll answer one right behind you
0: yeah so
2: it permeates throughout how we manage people whether it's our employees how we relate to their struggles with work family environment um our vendors one thing that a lot of our competitors do is they'll promise the world to a supplier And negotiate a really good deal for them, but never come through with their promises. And that's a very short-term plan. It's not an honorable plan. So, you know, one thing we were taught is you pay your vendors and and we challenge our suppliers, you know, we're we're not easy to to work for, but we're always fair. And if we say we're gonna do something, we pay on time and we follow up with our promises. And and then that follows all the way through to our customers. You know, you go to trade shows, and we have 20, 30-year history with some of these large accounts, and and they know when we say we're going to do something, we'll honor it, and we'll also take them out to a really nice dinner at a trade show and, and talk business and talk families, uh, but after that dinner's over, we're going to wish them good night, and if they want to do anything that's um questionable that's you know sometimes they'll leave our dinner party and go to our competitor to, to go to a trade show shenanigans and they'll know that we don't stand for that and they never you know, we have built such a reputation that they would never ask us to do something that would compromise our morals so that over the years that reputation it you know that got out there with our customers and it gets out there with our vendors yeah they know that uh, this is a scotch team don't ever Offer them anything that's, you know, not not kosher or yeah. not honorable, and they don't that's just not who we are. Yeah. And I think in the short term, sometimes we may have lost some deals over it, but in the long term, it's who we are, and, and we're not gonna compromise on that stuff. So whether it's a vendor or a customer, that's you know, um, I think it speaks to people and and it's our testimony as ambassadors whether we don't you know we're christian but our employees aren't forced to, forced to be christian but they know when they work here this is what we represent and you're part of the
1: team so yeah. yeah they know on that subject they know that they're working for a safe place yeah they're working for somebody who has integrity and a testimony that yes. we live the testimony and if
2: something happens with their families they need to get, take leave of absence it's still a family environment and we always want to protect that and support that you know
0: yeah
2: um but we also ask a lot of them you know we all work really hard and and we try to lead by example but uh the important stuff you know we we really try to make sure that we come across as ambassadors for christ um whether we say it to them you know california gets sued for saying (laughs) you can say anything but jesus yeah but uh We try to live it and and we try to represent as much as we can. So
1: yeah, our company verse is Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Work heartily for the Lord.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really cool. Um, just when you see that come out of a company where, you know, you even when you talked about like way back in the beginning, the company started because of integrity and not wanting to do things, not the right way. And to see that maintained over 40 plus years is really cool. And honestly, probably part of the reason you survived all those years, you know, like the integrity probably there's probably things that, you know, Roger, if you didn't have integrity over those years, something would have happened, you know, wouldn't have got the bank loan, wouldn't have got, you know, whatever the vendor you need it or so that's exactly that's that's really cool to see that. Um, yeah. Just that legacy that you've left in running, running a business with integrity. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Vince, what's, what's some of your, what are you looking forward to see as your legacy? Your dad has, um, a lot of his legacy and his company and his family. What are, what are you looking to leave as a legacy?
2: Yeah, such a big question. You know, sometimes we're, we're, we're so in the weeds, Yeah, you know, uh, but you know, I have two teenagers now and, yeah. and I, a lot of the same legacy that he left of, of integrity, hard work, but pro you know, also life balance. Um, you know i feel like his generation it's all about you just work and provide more for the next generation and then you kind of see this generational slip of lack of hard work but you know we're gen x i feel like we're kind of in the middle and nice. so i still want to, i want to instill those things in my kids um but i still want life balance for them but i would love just being in their lives and still having fun with them and and seeing where they go, wherever their passions are. Um, And then also, you know, I have a passion for mission, right? You know, I started out before a career uh, on mission in Portugal. Uh, Now we support different missionaries and I still have a heart for that. Um, But eventually I'd love to travel with my family and do special trips to continue that that desire to just get along board with other people doing great things and, and yeah. support them and go experience different cultures and see where the need is. And, um, but, you know, bringing my kids along with me to, to yeah. go do that and just get that outside world perspective, do something good, but still, um, uh, still wrap that into your life and, and follow their passions. And, uh, yeah, you kind of have to do that by example. So, you know, finding the time to free that up and go on a trip once a year, once every two years to kind of activate that mindset, yeah. you know, that's just thinking out loud. That's kind of something I'd love to to do more of. Well, long-term. like Thailand and Kenya. Thailand, that was, you know, still to this day, uh, that was one of my kids' favorite trips, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I recently took a trip with my daughter to, to Kenya, very similar, some education, some mission, some play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then come back to the office on Monday and, and, you know, invent something and provide jobs and still work hard. Yeah. So how, how do you duplicate that to, to the next generation? I don't know. Just expose yeah. them to it and, and be there alongside them. That's, that would be my goal. Yep. Yeah.
1: That's a good cool. goal.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much, guys. This was really fun just to uh, hear some of the Skosh story and see how God has called you to lead business in a way that um, honors him and provides employment. And, um, yeah, really fun. So thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having us, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having us, buddy. Good to meet you. It was fun.
0: BAM School, facilitating a global, self-funding, disciple-making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the BAM School Podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at 4BAM.com.